do we critically think about stuff? 709, I know it might be a little early to start thinking about logic. Do we even understand what logic is? The most I knew about logic growing up was when Mr. Spock would talk about logic on Star Trek. But logic, the study of truth, really, it's a, it's cause and effect. It's it's conclusions based on premise, right? It's um, it's structure. It's truth. Truth. The lack of critical thinking in our society today is scary. So says Dr. Patrick Hurley, Ph.D., University of San Diego. Just because he has a bunch of letters behind his name doesn't make him smart. What makes him smart is his study of the truth. Uh, wrote a book actually called A Concise Intro to Logic. Oh, there's a, that's some light reading for you tonight when you're trying to fall asleep, maybe. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, it's a popular book. It's in its like 14th edition. Woohoo! Uh, let's let's welcome Dr. Patrick Hurley. Doc, welcome to your morning wake up. Thank you very much for having me on, Mike. Do do you get frustrated when you're talking to uh, just regular everyday folks because they don't think logically? Well, sometimes I do. You're absolutely right. And I think there has been recently a decline in uh, critical thinking skills. And I think that's indicated by the recent flood of unfounded conspiracy theories that seem to be coming out of the woodwork. And also there's this inclination, inclination that people have to believe absolutely anything they read on the Internet or hear on TV. So you just swallow it down whole without even thinking about it. Do you blame social media and the Internet for all of this then? Is that how we've dumbed ourselves down? I think they're partly responsible. I think there's a whole raft of uh, causes, I think, that you might be able to cite. But one that I happen to be interested in right now is wh- whether religion is playing a role in this. And that, that's uh, connected with this recent book that I wrote, uh, Religion, Power, and Illusion. The way I think religion plays in is religion, as everybody knows, is based on faith. And faith means believing things without evidence. But critical thinking means demanding evidence for practically everything. So it's possible that religion and critical thinking are at loggerheads with one another. <laughs> maybe they're enemies of one another. I mean, I don't know, but maybe. So. Well, but there's got to be a a. Uh, I, I get it. You take on faith for religion, yes, but there's got to be a specific truth when it comes down to it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think so, and I think that the distinction between truth and falsity is probably the most fundamental and the most important distinction that the human mind can entertain. And if we lose sight of, if we lose sight of that distinction, I think we're standing on the verge of, of total madness, and civilization could collapse as a result. You know, that's kind of extreme, I think, but I, I suspect that that might be the result. Can we ever know completely everything of truth? No. No, I don't think we can. But one thing we have to do is put a little effort into it, and then we have to search for evidence. Uh, these these conspiracy theories that are popping up all over the all over the place are absolutely worthless if they're not supported by evidence, and they don't. Most of them don't seem to be. And also, this inclination of people to believe anything, you know, they don't look for evidence. So, to some extent, it's, it's laziness. That's the thing that people have to do. They have to overcome their laziness. Uh, you know, and then you know maybe the truth will come back into importance. Yeah, that I hope is the case. What's the first question we should ask ourselves when it comes to determining what's true, what's not, then? Well, 
evidence once again. Is it supported mm. by evidence? Is this claim supported by evidence? And if it's not, it's our suspicions ought to be raised immediately. So I think that's probably the, you know, the first and foremost thing. Tell me what fake memory is. You, I, I was reading that you were talking about fake memory. What is? Explain fake memory. Okay. Well, fake memory, I think, uh, has to do with, with collective memory, and this is the memory that society has about any particular event. Now, uh, some of the research that I conducted uh, indicates that social memory or collective memory you know, is dependent upon the survival needs uh, of society. So survival detects, uh, determines or dictates uh, what is remembered. And if it so happens that a particular society at a particular time is interested in something, that's what they're going to remember. And I think this is especially important, you know, as concerns religious documents, such as the Talmud and the Bible, because these documents uh, were composed, you know, thousands of years ago, uh, and memory depended upon what went into these documents, and the social needs of the society in question determined what was remembered. So that's mm-hmm. one thing we really have to have to keep that, keep that in mind. And if such and such didn't really happen, you know, but it's remembered that way, then it's fake memory. You know, that's what it comes down to. Hmm. What you've uh, you taught logic and philosophy. What about Thomistic philosophy? Your take on that? <laughs> oh, I spent many years studying Thomistic philosophy. I could probably deliver ten lectures on it if you want. Uh, do you have anything specific, specific about Thomistic well, philosophy? No, I, that you... I, have, I have a hard time staying awake when we get into mystic philosophy, because I, I would try to study. I, first of all, anybody who understands it, Thomistic philosophy is Thomas Aquinas, uh, his writings and, and teaching, but... Anytime I've gotten into it, you don't want to you don't want to delve into I think any philosophy without some sort of a guide, <laughs> because well, it's kind of sure. easy to get sideways. Sure, I, I think that's absolutely the case. Uh, you ought to be familiar with the context in which uh, you know some any philosophy is done, and with Thomas Aquinas, of course, we're talking about the Middle Ages. He was born yeah. approximately twelve twelve twenty five, died about twelve seventy five. So we got got to look at where he, where he's coming from, and of course there's a very heavy dose of religion in there. I mean, Aquinas thought that, that religion and truth were were synonymous. Uh, hardly any philosopher today would think that. But anyway, that's where he's coming coming from. So if you evaluate what Aquinas said, you know, you really have to keep that in mind. I mean, there's no question about it. But does automatically, if you think think about philosophers today versus then, does it make them any more truthful? Just the well, fact that they are further down the road. Well, yeah, it gives them a broader uh, a broader scope of experience to deal with. Uh, so the experience of the human race, you know, keeps piling up, and philosophers in every age, you know, depend upon that. So from that standpoint, you know, they're better off. But there's a certain it's crazy that there's a certain faddishness to philosophy too. So what what happens to be passing for philosophy in any particular age? You know, may not be the case if you wait 50 years, which is kind of distressing, I think. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Patrick Hurley, University of San Diego. And uh, it's, it, does truth even matter anymore? Because everyone pretty much walks around with their own truth. You know, your truth, my truth. And, and that kind of goes against the very thought of a truth, doesn't it? Yes, yes, it does. And, and, and that's, that's the, the horrible mistake, you know. Of course, there's going to be a certain amount of relativity, I think, that comes into the picture. 
But the fundamental things, you know, have got to be true, I think, you know, pretty much for everybody. And if we lose sight of that, as I was saying a minute ago, I think we're running the risk of falling into a pit of madness, and it's going to be real, real problems, I think, if that happens. Well, I think we're pretty close. Uh, although, doesn't every age? Doesn't my wife and I get into this because we get into this, these discussions of? I, I I think every age had its own sort of apocalyptic view. You see, what I'm saying, well, things are so bad for us; they're worse than they were for everybody else. This must be it. <laughs> yes, you know? yes, I, I think I, I think that's true for every age. So there, there's a there's a faddishness I think that attaches to every age. And that's another thing you got to keep in mind. Uh, and you have to be mm. critical about it, you know, so you just don't swallow it, you know, just because it comes out of the mouth of some some yeah. philosopher, politician, or anybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Patrick Hurley. Uh, interesting, interesting chat. You're a guy I would love to sit down and have coffee with. You like coffee? And I do, and I'm sipping a cup right now to stay awake. <laughs> it's yeah. 4 o'clock in the morning here. So. <laughs> Coffee is my truth, man. Come on. Uh, we're up on time, but I appreciate it. We're, uh, where do we find you? We're on find you on the web someplace? Yes. And uh, if people would, if, if they have any interest in this, they can look at my website, which is patrickearlyauthor.com. Uh, and the website is very heavily devoted uh, to the new book, Religion, Power, and Illusion. So I invite right. people to look into it. All right, Dr. Patrick Hurley, uh, go enjoy that coffee. We'll chat again soon, all right? Thank you very much, Mike. All right, see ya. 1320 WILS, let's get going, and we'll do it right after this.